those of you tuning in to who have just switched over from QVC, welcome. This is the DC Per <laughs> Podcast. We're live on YouTube. You somehow stumbled upon us, but you accidentally clicked on the YouTube link on your Roku uh, home screen, and now you have us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 752. It's being recorded on December 13, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Vansmerberg. You can go to patreon.com slash PCPer and become one of our patrons. You can throw money at us like there's no tomorrow, and you can be... Like uh, Crease last week, be like uh, we called be out like that individual. Uh, or be like Tim Basinger. The name. I like his name. Ah, there it is. Crease's like name. Yep. Oh, uh, Kim Basinger. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was the Patreon segment. Uh, now we're going to move on to our most popular segment of all time. Mm-hmm. It's you know, I, I, food with Josh. I, I just don't think it's that popular. I mean, th- there are certain people who enjoy it. And especially on Twitter, there are people who are like, I'm going out and get a burger. And then they send me a picture of their burger they got. And that's fantastic. But this was a special that I'd never had before. And it was special. I don't know what he's going to call it, but it's essentially a slaw burger. What is this? So this is the aforementioned slaw burger. And it was fantastic. The buns were perfectly toasted. A generous helping of a really tasty coleslaw on top of, I don't know if it was Skyline Chili or or Sloppy Joe mix, but then that was placed on top of a, a quarter pound patty. I think it was actually a smash patty on onions. And on top of it is a uh, Carolina mustard barbecue sauce from what I gathered. And it all just, it just worked. It was fantastic. It's probably one of the tastiest burgers I've had and and all of that extra slob really gave it a, a great mouthfeel. And, uh, and, and I, need all the, I need all the fiber that I can get these days. <laughs> so this was, this was a really unhealthy, healthy burger. And uh, yeah, you should make the trip and get this because it's fantastic. And you don't acquire this svelte figure. On greens alone, as the yes, as the something second, like that. Second unironic use of the word svelte this podcast. Thank you. I see. Okay. Well. Anyway, that's the burger, and uh, you should try it. Coleslaw is the best. In this week's first news story, we go to Tech Power Up, who is actually citing Tom's hardware here. Threadripper overclocking blows a hidden fuse. AMD confirms, but. They also say that your warranty is not voided by this. Now, there were some pictures circulating around. So do they send you a bag of fuses like you're getting and you have to do it yourself? Uh, It says it's hidden. I think it's under the heat spreader. That makes it challenging. There was a picture circulating around of this uh, BIOS screen. It says, caution, AMD processors disclaimer. Overclocking mode will now be permanently enabled for this processor and effectively voiding warranty as previously stated. You have to accept or decline. Effectively, effectively okay. voiding the warranty. Accept is Y and decline is N. Mm, Wait, are yes, you declining yes, your warranty with N, or are you accepting okay. that decline, you're going to proceed with caution and not de- decline your warranty? Things are unclear, and I'm going to blow my fuse over it. Well, AMD <laughs> has made it less unclear 
because AMD representatives released this statement, quote, Threadripper 7000 series processors do contain a fuse that is blown when overclocking is enabled. To be clear, blowing this fuse does not void your warranty. Statements that enabling an overclocking overvolting feature will void the processor warranty are not correct. Per AMD's standard terms of sale, the warranty excludes any damage that results from overclocking overvolting the processor. However, other unrelated issues could still qualify for warranty repair slash replacement. End quote. Is blowing a fuse damage? It seems like it would I see be a cir- circular argument here. Okay. Uh, PR spin. Yeah. Like literally spin all the way definite around. Definitely reputation control. Yeah. But why are you buying a Threadripper and overclocking it, though, is what I want to know. This is a question. Also, does yeah, PBO Jeremy. technically count as overclocking? Don't you have to? Wasn't that the disclaimer that came up when they were enabling PBO? Yes. <clears throat> Way back. But then hmm. again, we're talking about a company that used to say that, oh no, if you take off the uh, thermal interface material on that boxed uh, heat spreader or well, air cooler that we put on there and replace it with uh, thermal paste, we're going to not accept your warranty. That also didn't <clears throat> last very long. No. This is a not so thinly veiled way of just voiding your warranty. I can sort of read between the lines here. It just seems that way. <clears throat> I'm not sure that... Uh, is it like overclocking cow? a Threadripper? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Or it could be veiled. Okay. As in like teared your... As in like... Yeah. Yes. Vicky Veil. Sometimes Brett's accent makes me think that English is a second language for him and I, I don't know where he actually I You know, I make up words world. as well. Okay. <clears throat> Have you seen my my Moroccan prison um, no, design please. in the background? Okay. All right. With that story concluded, let's move on to a story from Tom's Hardware. Again, this is TSMC in the news for just mentioning a process technology. That seems on the face of it ridiculous. TSMC renowned for process technologies of various uh, nanometers in size, but they have now mentioned something that is unprecedented 1.4 nanometer what's what's below nano pico. 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 so it'd pico. be like 140 pico which would make a lot more sense than 1.4 nanometer if I, intel was calling it angstroms uh, well yeah, angst- yeah. No. no angstroms is is more of a atomic size but uh and is marketing to the max no, I, this is the first I've, I've heard of this today, but I've been head down in, in Azure crap at regular work. Um, so that's a lot of fun. But that, you know, it, it kind of fits their, their marketing uh, jumps of uh, calling these parts, you know, two nanometer, three nanometer, four nanometer. Now, now instead of going to one, it's, it's 1.4, which, you know, that rolls Slow off the tongue. Than better than one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's tiny, it's small, and uh, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be available until 2027, 2028. Um, I've heard rumors of, of two nanometers having issues, but that's not exactly a shock because it's not even 2024, and that's going to be a 2025, 2026 part. Um, Apple's got three nanometer, right, or is it four? I thought it was four. I can double check that though. 
anyway, but uh, yeah, and uh, again, it's it's uh, there's there's nothing uh, even remotely physical about these measurements uh, because the the largest um, feature on there is probably like sixty to seventy nanometers in size. So them calling it you know two or three nanometers is silly. But it's what it is, and it's it's where we live. And, and TSMC has had a very good run uh, ever since probably their 16 nanometer uh, FinFET and down. 12 was pretty good, not great, but the seven is is where they really made the hay. And uh, then their six was good. I mean, Intel even got it. Their five is AMD is 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 fabbing the crap out of it, as well as all these other Android and well uh, ARM customers uh including apple and and yeah we've we've gone down the line they've they've had a good run and now they have more clean space than intel does which people weren't sure that would ever actually happen but yeah they've they've done well they've made a lot of really good decisions and they have some really strong partnerships samsung's maybe catching up a little bit but yeah for the time being tsmc's the the bee's knees their M3 SOCs from Apple are on N3B process from TSMC. Ah, that sounds like three. Is it like a massaged four? Mm, well, I think yeah, that's why they call it N3B. Kind of massaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going to pretend to be smart here for a second because I was reading something probably on Twitter the other day about the lithography process, high NA EUV. Mm-hmm. And reportedly, this is. Uh, an article from semi-analysis ASML dilemma high NA EUV is worse than low NA EUV multi-patterning. Now I thought the whole thing with high NA is that it halves the reticle size and that's supposed to be what they're going to be implementing for things like two nanometer 1.4. Am I completely <clears throat> off base here? Um, I, I thought that, yeah, it, says, it wasn't so much reticle size, but it was uh, you. You could get past you. Can, you can get fewer litho passes with NA EUV than the multi-patterned regular EUV. Because do, do you know how multi-patterning works? No, Josh. do tell. Okay, so basically, they they use this kind of interesting way of light guides and that and and how they do litho and so you you do multi-patterning on a structure and you do several passes where it's litho then etch litho etch litho etch just because you have to do it in a certain order to get the correct looking structures and that takes time and it's you know a lot more work being done to a wafer but if you have like you know when when uv first came out uh, it was like it, it replaced multi-patterning with uh, 150 nanometer. I can't remember exactly what the, the wavelength was. Um, but you had to have, you know, like four uh, passes in the multi-patterning to get one EUV. You know, what, what would take UV one pass to do just because it's so much finer. Uh, but it looks like from what they're saying, uh, NA... EUV is is just even the the single pass and and what they're doing to try to get it to be more efficient in the process um it doesn't work 
That's this is true. It is entirely PFM. How this stuff works is nuts. Um, yeah, if you've never heard of how EUV machine works, uh, they drop molten tin at thousands of drops a second into a vacuum chamber, and uh, a laser forms each drop, and then a second laser hits that form drop to uh, then, you know, atomize it and release the EUV light. And it does this at some insane amount of uh, drops per second. And it essentially a machine takes up enough electricity to power a small town of like 1,500 people or 1,500 houses. It's nuts. Yeah, so in other words, it's really similar to my inkjet printer. Yeah, nearly identical yeah, technology. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I was I'm looking at this uh, this graphic. <laughs> Semi-analysis has this infographic. Next-gen EUV, there's two paths. You can either reduce the light wavelength, or you can increase the lens size, or the numerical aperture, a.k.a. NA. Now, it seems like reducing the light wavelength makes more sense, because if you have a bigger lens, then you have to have bigger photo masks, optics, layouts, which don't support the larger lenses. You have to increase the mask size, which is, it makes it harder to create defect-free blanks, it says here. You have to redesign all EUV mask infrastructure for the fab. Why wouldn't you just have a reduced light wavelength? I guess you just don't have the technology yet. They'd have to because it's it. harder to do that, yeah. I mean, it took them 20 years to do EUV, and... Uh, that's an eternity in the uh, semiconductor field. Uh, in fact, it was probably more than that. But Intel back in smaller. 2001, 2002, they... What? Say that again? If you keep going smaller, don't you end up essentially being an X-ray and no longer being EUV? And that's... that's uh, a problem. That That is what they're... They've, there has been research into X-ray uh lithography but of course the the problems is you know it's it's, it's an ionizing radiation i mean no. the masks and, and the wafers are not going to be radioactive afterwards but but the how you're creating is the x-ray during could yeah. very well be. yeah, yeah. We've so been toasty, uh, yes, but once once you hit those wavelengths I, I, it's yeah. easy to understand why yeah. And interesting materials that they can deposit on there that will react at those wavelengths. That's very, very fascinating. Some of which just disappear or annihilated, leaving empty space. It's amazing. Or we actually will release or get to a point where we're shooting stuff out there. Well, we don't know where the matter comes from, it just appears. <laughs> <laughs> that never ends poorly. Yeah, yep, some, that never ends badly. I've read, I've read some, some sci-fi that's like that. 400 light years away just suddenly collapses after we've made a billion chips using this revolutionary yep. new. Exactly. Um, yep. And those other dimensional beings are pissed. They are pissed. And our next news story, this is a little bit more practical, a little bit more mainstream. You can actually reach out and touch these things. They're external. SSDs in the quest for ever faster external storage. We've talked about on this very podcast, the existence of something known as USB gen 
3.2 by 2. So you have instead of 10 gigabit per second, uh, you have 20, theoretically. And of course, very few devices support 2 by 2. We just recently started getting devices with 3.2.2 or 3.2 by 2. Jeremy, Version you recently purchased. Two. Yeah, that's confusing. Jeremy, <laughs> you recently purchased a USB 3.2 by 2 card for your PC. We Correct. talked about this last week. So you can buy expansion cards for about 30 bucks, add them to your PC, have this technology. But what is the point when USB 4 is here? A data, OWC. Brett is probably very excited. And Stardom. Well, plug it into. Roll out USB 4 SSDs and enclosures for faster external storage. Now, USB 4's speeds, they start where USB 3.2 by 2 ends. It can be very, very fast. What is it, Look 40? at that heat dissipation. Yeah, Brett, it's uh, it's all heat sink. This thing's Yours for only $6,000. Oh From OWC. You know... OWC, in their great wisdom, uh, makes peripherals in this way that are compatible with other computers as well. And by other computers, I mean PCs running Windows. Um, but generally, it's a Mac shop. So that's the joke here. So let's see. Now, OWC, Stardom's here. Stardom. It's, these are something in the neighborhood of 3,000 megabytes per second, it looks like. <laughs> that's kind of like that latch lock design. That's nice. Yeah. That is nice. Just pop her off. Can I just get the enclosure? No, maybe in the future. find a PCIe 4.0 <laughs> SSD for a lot cheaper than they're going to sell it to me. We've, we've reached the point with external where we're going to get basically the full benefit of a Gen 3 by 4 SSD, it seems, at some point for external storage. Because even if you have a by no. 2 by some no. odd coincidence, those top out at like, I don't know, 1,800, 1,900 megabytes per second and very unrealistic sequential workloads. When you try and tell kids these days out, about IDE and PIE mode and they think you're lying. No, pulled, pulled IO. Uh, in order to top out some of these uh, external peripherals, though, you're going to need to be aware of which uh, port you're using, especially on a laptop, whether or not that mm. port has sh uh, shared IO with ports next to it, perhaps, or with another device internally. And you're going to have to kind of understand some of the architecture if you want to seek out the best, highest possible speeds. I know that's sort of weird, but we're getting into edge ter territory here with some of these speeds. And well, the way thankfully, that the IO chips are sharing uh, IO. Thankfully, the USB IF has made this extremely simple. Uh, it's it's oh. it's mm -hmm. it's totally painless. It's very obvious okay. which Type C port is which. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is mm -hmm. stare. At the side of your laptop, look for some extremely faint silk screening. <laughs> Which uh, may or may not a, still be there. There's a symbol that looks like a lightning <laughs> flash, and I guess um, that means Thunderbolt, but it doesn't always mean well, it's also USB 4. Right. Well, no, but yeah. it might be USB 4, yeah. but not Thunderbolt. Yeah. Are we... Are we struggling with the USB naming and shaping convention problems We're again here? We're struggling with USB <laughs> IF. Okay. Because if someone in the comment said, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't brand it USB 3.2 by 240 gigabit super speed ultra PD plus. And I am honestly shocked that's not where they went. But wait, is uh, that with the high power hyperbole. delivery or without the high power that's delivery? That's the plus. That, that, oh, Otherwise, the it would be a PD. Yeah. Okay. Se right. Sebastian, 
You know that depends on which cord you're using. Duh. Yeah. I mean, come there on. There has to be logic in the plug to tell. <laughs> and then there's the, that. Uh, exactly. Or if it's high if power it delivery, you can have high power delivery without data. So there. Yeah. Okay. Apple. Yeah. Apple does the it all the time. USB-C monitor will provide 90 watts, but apparently Brett, not Apple USB-C cable that, that, that operates at USB 2.0 data speeds, but provides high current fast charging for your yes. Apple right. device. Let's let's be fair. They shipped that with a power supply. Hmm? No, they didn't. Did they? I thought the cable oh, was separate. You bought- Do you guys remember like in 2008, 2009, 2010, the no. motherboard manufacturers, you had to download a specific type of software program that would then change how Windows handled USB storage. Oh, God, you're right, aren't you? Yeah, the UASP yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You asked to do that anymore. I'd happily see no, storage on USB. Now. Yeah. It's always been problematic. Yeah. So, I remember you had, to, you had to get that special as media driver to an even yeah. enable the USB 3.1 yeah. port on your motherboard. Yeah. Okay. Let's move, let's move back to, uh, to news via videocards.com E3, the gaming event. Last held in 2019. I was going to say, it's been a while, guys. Is no more. Well, they did a virtual you know, one in like, there was what, this... 2021? Let's just blame this on COVID, shall we? Can, can we Can we do no. that? No. Oh. Because it happened before I have, that. I have a theory about this. and Tell us. It's uh, it's called momentum, Brett. It's when you have an event that's it's long in the tooth. It doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. anymore because companies like Nintendo they hold their own Nintendo Direct events and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's it goes on its own momentum. Once you cancel it, it frees everybody up and they start to yeah. start to think about a life without E3. Like you know what? It was actually okay this year. I was okay with having one on one meetings with various companies. And I, I was able to focus on myself and I didn't have to spend as much money. And it actually was more effective at pushing my product out than E3 was. Think of all Wait, the media. You sound, like an ex, you sound like an ex-girlfriend right now. That's what you sound like, honestly. <laughs> so here's E3's tweet. At E3, that handle will soon be available. After more than two decades of E3, each one bigger than the last, the time has come yeah. to say goodbye. Thanks for the memories. Anyway. Uh, where were we? That was that was it's, it's, that was it's not a blower cooler anymore, though. No, that's right. It's mm. lateral. I should have put that in the list. Yeah. Oh my Lower gosh, we missed out. out on this one. Okay, hold on. Here this is great. This is great. Let's pull this. Pull this up. <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned it, but it is terribly hilarious. Oh, I love it though, Jeremy. This is a this is a good. This is good. Yeah, Way to relabel the RTX it. RTX forty seventy Turbo Graphics card with lateral flow cooler. Also known as, drum roll please. Yes, via tech power up. Scroll down. Okay, when you hear 4070, you're thinking probably a massive three slot card with 18 fans, but no. Oh gosh, yes. This is a simple blower style card, but we're not calling it blower anymore. Because that's a negative connotation. Like they're loud and they're older technology. Let me describe the pictures to our audio li- listeners. Okay, kind yes. of conjure up a Vega Fifty Six reference design. There you go. That's what we're looking at today. Right you know, Asus has had blower style cards in the RTX era. There was an RTX Twenty Seventy blower. Yeah, I know but that. it doesn't look like the Batmobile, so you're losing out twice there. 
And it's just a, a, a modest two-slot card. So imagine the noise levels. You put a 4070 inside. Yeah, but a 4070 you. isn't that much anymore. Actually, you're right. It's kind of a tiny GPU. It's a single It's a single eight-pin power. Let's see it. There oh, you go. I see it. it. It's Gosh, only you're one. right. Single eight-pin. Single, yeah. single eight-pin. Eight Where's the 12-volt high power? Well, They're abandoning it. I do like that they stuck it on the back. It's a 4070. electron flow, too. It's time for the rumors portion of the news segment. Videocards.com is uh, talking about PS5 Pro specs. Project Trinity. PS5. That has nothing to do with 5. Pro. Well, right. I mean, yeah, it, I don't know what it means. It's a code name. It's supposed to be confusing. So your usual data miner leakers are fighting on Twitter about specs. Debate. There's a healthy debate on Twitter about the specs of this uh, unannounced system. This story is about a potential for it to have a 60 CU RDNA 3 GPU. This would be a huge step up from what it has now, which is RDNA 2 and what, like, I don't know, 28 or 36 CUs or something? Is this really possible? I don't know. This seems expensive for a small upgrade. A PS6, yeah. But re-release, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the PS5 was a seven nanometer part, wasn't it? Yeah, it's RDNA two stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, so so it's uh, going down a couple of notches and packing into much more transistors, and probably doing it around the same price as the initial, <laughs> you know, PS5. I don't know. It, that seems like it. it it's a Potentially will work. According to Google, when I search for PS5 GPU specs, it is RDNA 2. It's 36 CUs. Right, to go to 60 CUs of RDNA That's big. 3 would be very, very big. Huge. It'd almost be a PlayStation I'm, 6. Yeah. I'm not sure that the installed base will ever be large enough for games to take advantage of that. What are you talking about? The PS4 Pro? Or PS5 Pro, sorry. Uh, if the price is right, the PS5 I is guess. finally in like general availability status now. You can go into a Target or a Best Buy, generally speaking, and buy a PS5. If they only like sold the years. Pro, if they only sold the Pro after a period of time, yes. When the, when they the PS5 sold them both becomes the $299 cheaper option, yes. and then the $499 option yes. is the Pro, the Pro is, is going to sell. Though... Xbox Series mm -hmm. X, apparently, I saw this earlier, is now selling for three ninety nine. Is that an official price cut or just a holiday thing to move stock? It's oh, an opportunity yeah. for game developers to sell pro versions for twenty dollars more. Maybe that'll happen. It's just funny that we get these PS five rumors about having this amazingly powerful GPU compared to the, you know the current one, and then the Xbox drops a hundred dollars just like that. Coincidence? Coincidence? I mean, the Series X has a significant hardware advantage over the PS5, at least on paper. Yeah. But, I mean, have you have you played Astro's Playroom on the PS5? It is a tour de force <clears throat> of what can be done with 36 CUs and ray tracing. Next news story, meet L4S, the new network standard you might see in use soon. Wait, is this going to supersede 10 gigabit? Is it wired? No, is it wireless? No, it's it's sort of bloatware. They're, uh -huh. they're, they're, they're going to make your packets bigger. 
which you oh. know sounds horrible at the beginning. But the thing is, what they're going to do is add yet another uh, thing to a packet, but it's an indicator which allows it to detect and report congestion. So it sets a set number of milliseconds where if this packet is stuck and hasn't, you know, done the whole handshake thing, it will flag not only, well, it needs to be able to flag your network equipment as well as the host and say, Hey, I'm stuck in line here. This sucks. Fix it. And in theory, if there is a redirect should be able to do it. So they're literally talking about, you know, another order of magnitude of drop in uh, latency, which would be really lovely to see if it works. But right now it's sort of in field testing, but it's field testing with Apple, NVIDIA, uh, Valve is getting into it as well. So you've got some really big names that are interested in this, which makes it sound like it's going to work. And right now there's only about uh, three pieces of networking hardware that support it. So it's, it's brand new. It's definitely in the testing stage. But as you'll see, and for our audio listeners, RFC International, January 2023. This was fully and completely committed and is now a standard as of the beginning of the year. So there hasn't been much change uh, as far as the actual hardware support goes. But if we're reducing buffering down to single-digit milliseconds, that would be kind of nice so that your unskippable four-second ad can get there even quicker. At least it's getting us <laughs> over with quicker too. Well, pending the force uh, delay, depending on whether you're using an ad blocker and what well, browser I mean, you're using, and you or know, Firefox, it's, it's, it's complicated. Which could be another interesting thing because it will all of a sudden make it very blatant that yes, not only was this delayed, but when we flagged it as delayed, you completely and totally ignored it. Whereas the other guy just got to jump into a whole separate queue. Hmm. Finally, in news, Ars Technica is reporting Google's Fiber 20 gig service is coming to these cities for $250 a month. 20 gigs plus Wi-Fi 7. (laughs) Speaking of not waiting through the pause when you're trying to watch a video, do you think 20 gigabit will be enough? I think it might be enough. Unfortunately, it will only be available through Google. At two hundred fifty dollars a month, which sounds like a lot of money, but when you sort of divide it for that speed, no. Well, if you divide it out, people paying a hundred dollars a month for gigabit symmetrical. Exactly. That was going to be my point here. Is I have a uh, a a new place that I was going to go. I'm moving into soon, where I just had Comcast Xfinity installed, and I bought one of their top of the line uh, feeds, which was one point two plus gigabit per month. And it was right around $200 with a 125 channel package that admittedly that goes along with it. All software, I'm not getting a box, but the point is, is that you still end up paying a significant amount of money for that speed. You can't buy it from a lot of the cable vendors because they force you essentially to buy a channel package with that. Um, And that's a lot of what's out there. That's what a lot of lines are to, to residential houses. The lucky people for uh, Google's fiber here will be in a few select cities initially in like Kansas City and North Carolina, the Triangle area. And of all places, Iowa, which I found sort of interesting out in the Midwest, um, they're going to be able to order up 20 gigabit speeds and get a Wi-Fi 7 box for only um, the actually very reasonably priced $250 per month using um, 
the uh, what they call like the Quillian fiber basic platform, which has built on some sort of Nokia encoding to get more, um, as we were just talking about, more f- um, frequencies, more feeds onto a standard fiber optic cable using a 25G PON, PON, passive optical networking uh, uh, encoding mechanism that allows yeah. them to really, really jam uh, a lot of bandwidth down a single well, you know, And you know what the next generation is called? I can't wait. <laughs> pon, pon far. I was going to say, uh, pon far. Uh, pon Z. <laughs> oh, how very Star Trek of you. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, you know, anyway, when, once Palm uh, hits, you have to see it through to the end. There's so you do. You do. My you well, my lead in question, my lead in question to this uh, series was: is when is 20 gigabit per second internet evil? When it's delivered by Google? Look, so this is the right same thing the Google did when they had Google Fiber to begin with. It was ex- this experimental thing, and it was like crazy. This is Google speeds. Fiber. Well, I, I know, yeah. but original Google Fiber. When fiber internet itself was a novel new thing, okay. and they were trying different things like etching out like little channels in public streets and putting their fiber down at the surface level of the street, and of course, at barely the street <laughs> cracked because of weather changes because they're in the Midwest or, or something. When, then or when it, the, or when the it fiber rained. broke, and you'd have interruptions <laughs> in service. So things like that didn't make a lot of sense. I remember in those days dreaming of getting fiber, and then one day it was just everywhere. It's just fiber up in the telephone poles, and they would bring a single strand into my house when I get gigabit fiber. So yeah. for 20 gigabit, I'm thinking this is probably multi-strand. I thought the higher back end was like I, I'm not sure about that. How are you going to do that. it? I mean, and, Light and you know only what? Light travels calling, so fast. They're they're calling it out as symmetric, too, which is impressive. So Well, it should you know, be. Good on them if they can deliver. Symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Unless those photons start, you know, colliding yeah. in the in the fiber optics. <clears throat> That's why they need two strands. But I see what you're saying. Two individually two. Uh, sheathed strands. It's probably half duplex. It's probably half duplex single fiber. Every time the wind blows a little too hard, I worry that my fiber is going to snap in half. Because the technician showed me, it's like, yeah, it's just a single strand. And it's like this. That's <laughs> it. It's one like the tiniest into the my tiniest house. Hell. Just dangling from the telephone pole to the corner of my house, and there's a rubber oh. over it. But it's it's the skinniest little thing. I'm worried every time one my optic a sparrow can kill your internet. Mir Mir says it's full duplex, so uh, that will. Let's uh, no, it's gotta be too. find someone. But, find someone who gets the. <laughs> find someone who gets Google Fiber delivered at uh, these gigantic, ginormous speeds. Just, and ask just them uh, cut it. the cord open and show us how many fire strands are in there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. It's time for <laughs> insecurity corner, and first we have uh, a reminder to check your DHCP setting on your Microsoft Active Directories. Yeah, you know, the ones that you run <laughs> internally on your servers that uh, you definitely don't want people to get access to. And of which apparently 40% of you out there have left on the default settings out of the box. Because yeah, at server 2003, you just click straight through, agree, 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 agree. And if everything works, you don't worry about it. So Akamai has recently discovered a flaw that uh, should have been discovered a long time ago. 
Uh, and apparently Microsoft probably knew about it because they just sort of said, yeah, that's a thing. You probably shouldn't be running it uh, default settings. But the fun thing is that essentially, uh, if you hook up a device to a network, it's given an IP address that, well, unless it's a printer, in which case it's given a thousand IP addresses and it takes down your system, but that's a different discussion. Uh, so it's given a DHC, an IP address by the DHCP server, uh, and then boom, contacts the DNS server to be able to give that DNS server a record that, hey, something's connected. At this point, you have not authenticated. You, you, you've just plugged random machine into an Active Directory network. And it should happen without credentials because you don't want to have to be able to enter in your credentials, but yet not have a network to verify against. Problem is though, that because they know what the actual default settings are, there is a way to use this to authenticate the machine itself without having to authenticate a user, which could then, if you're smart enough, be able to overwrite other DNS entries inside that Active Directory forest which at that point can use a bunch of other vulnerabilities that we know about to essentially become that other machine, which has already fully authenticated with user credentials and everything. So you're, you're literally now in the Active Directory DNS zone without ever having to bother authenticate. All you did was plug something that was a little malicious into the network. So for the 40% of you out there that uh, are running Active Directory and aren't sure whether or not you're running default settings or have actually changed it to make it a little more secure, check, because four out of 10 of you apparently have not done this. And the best part is that four out of 10, that guy doesn't work there anymore. No one knows how it works. It's all just magic in a closet somewhere. And there's no one that's ever going to bother to fix it. This is relatively terrifying. <laughs> But again, is the bad don't. part full full ownage if you if you don't patch this one that somebody could redirect your DNS uh, well, to someplace let's say, else and you start picking up? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, the that, that's one. one. You you can certainly do that. The other thing is that uh, if you happen to be able to uh, scan a network and figure out where one of the uh, less than sanitary uh, admins who likes to log in directly as an admin on their workstation, what? their DNS entry is, and then you spoof that, well, boom. It's already been authenticated, so it's not going to question. Away you go. True. Then you, you can send them anywhere for for seemingly legitimate requests after that, so I can see the danger yeah. when they're picking up absolutely anything. You can direct them anywhere you want and spoof whatever usual activity mm -hmm. they do with your own service. So that makes yes. sense. Okay. Yeah. You can also grab the DNS entry of a server which would lead to some very interesting things. Then you've probably provided the man in the middle with credentials as you try and access that server. Uh, so that makes sense. Well, except if it's an active service and it's already running and you're just running a, an interrupt or sorry, a bypass, mm -hmm. like there are just a lot of scary things you could do with this. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's a, it's a cornucopia of just ponage. <laughs> All right, let's move to the next depressing story. Auto spill. A lot of news <laughs> for a small problem. Well, I mean, you start hearing uh, that, oh my God, my password manager uh, is vulnerable to something. And, you know, you, you do panic a little bit when one password or last pass is associated with a breach. Well, it's a mix of that and the Android operating system 
and essentially OAuth. You, we all take advantage of it. It's like, oh, hey, I can just log in with my Google account. Click, done. Don't have to worry about it. And generally, best practice is that that password is hashed and passed on. And then something comes back to say, yes, that is the correct hash. And away you go. It's never sent as an actual plain text thing. In, well, in with, the clear, right? Yeah, like in the clear. So with Autospill, there is a way that if on an Android phone you had installed a very shady third-person app that's like, hey, we'd like to link your X account with this. And you said, yes. Well, it is actually possible to convince Android to spill that autofill. And there's a big fight right now about, well, is this actually a fault of the password people? Is it the fault of Android? Is it just, you know, someone else's completely, is it the third person, third party app that uh, you just decided to download? Or is it your fault because you decided to download the questionable, but yet verified app from Google Play? So it's a very small uh, attack window with this. Like you literally have to have grabbed a shady app and said, yes, I want to link this other account to it. And, you know, at that point, you know, you've, you've essentially already been sort of screwed because if it didn't say autofill, it's like, sorry, you have to type it in manually and away you go. There's, it's a breach of, best practice as opposed to like something horrific, like it's been covered. I, I'm not seeing it's the, it's the password manager's job to, f to make sure that the hashed password is properly delivered to the, re the requesting form or wherever you're asking yeah. it to be filled in. If it's being sort of intercepted by an kind of an OS allowed interception by this third party nefarious actor who's saying, Oh yeah, we need the, or we're going to grab the unhashed version because we're further up the API food chain and we're allowed to sort of access it at that point versus where they're supposed to be sitting. This is allowed by the Android uh, OS and, and API. They're allowed to, to sort of intercept that. I, I'm not seeing it's the password managers issue here because they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing and their legitimate sort of, I don't want to mean it in the HTML sense, put request is being intercepted uh, by this yeah. uh, by this nefarious actor partway through. So I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards it's an Android issue. That's just my opinion yeah. based upon the read. No, there was a little bit of a nastier one where you've got a site that's using your natural view and web view. And so mm -hmm. that the web view can actually snatch it via JavaScript exploit, except well, they're a dime a dozen as it is already. So you've, you've just opened <laughs> that attack surface a tiny little bit. Stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, it's been getting a lot of coverage. And honestly, this one, not so bad. Although Android should get off their, ha their haunches and fix it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Finally, in insecurity corner, PC freezing shortly after boot. Well, it could be a Vira antivirus avira avira i think i've never i'm not sure this was this. this was necessarily some sort of hack or anything but i really sort of enjoy the the security infrastructure piece is the one causing the problem in this case it's a <laughs> firewall so jeremy for like the sixth or seventh time i believe because avira has been around for a while and they've had some missteps previously although to be fair what you know, 
antivirus firewall company hasn't over the years. Uh, so a whole bunch of people over the weekend suddenly would boot. And as soon as it hit windows or a port part where Avira would start up the actual service, the machine locked up hard lock. The only thing you could do was manually reboot it, at which point it would lock up again. You went into safe mode. Okay, fine. So a couple of enterprising people decided, all right, let's start disabling services. Disabling services say, oh, when I disable a Vera anti or firewall, all of a sudden I'm fine. There's not a problem whatsoever. And it became pretty obvious that, yeah, uh, there is something with the uh, firewall that was literally completely just locking up computers completely. Uh, Avira figured it out uh, by Sunday and pushed it a patch, assuming your machine was up long enough to get the patch, which apparently in some cases it was. It's one of the first things it does. And if not, uh, they are talking to anyone, any other customers saying, here, there's a hotline on the uh, story I like to where you can phone them up and they will fix you. They, they will send you something you can apply in safe mode and be able to work. But it's always really annoying when it's the security software that's actually killing your machine. And all you need to do is, in that case, provide them with uh, remote credentials to access your PC. It'll be no problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's, that's it's true. probably but... fine. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I just need you to uh, click accept here and we'll run this yeah, script. Yeah, you just, just control of your system. I'm going to send you the small executable. And, just run it and it'll yeah, launch. The, it's oh, fine. You'll see, oh, you'll see a command my, line. Just my mouse. That. What? background my mask. mouse is moving to worry about it my mouse is yeah, moving that's me that's me i've taken control of your system <laughs> oh. And, oh my gosh oh, uh, I'm, gonna oh this is great. I'm gonna help you oh. all right thank uh, you just, oh my stay gosh calm. stay calm uh yep. let's see oh uh, thank you so much stay calm uh now we're going to go in and uh we're going uh, to, your to bank, uh banking account okay. yeah we're going to go in the command line here it's going to look a little scary but we're trained uh -huh. professionals we know exactly what we're yes. doing it's time for gaming quick hits. And first, uh, you know, it's Doom's 30th. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about that on the social media. And if you want more Doom, S-I-G-I-L. How is that pronounced? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's either sigil. sigil or Sigil, depending on where you're it's, coming from. It's out to celebrate its 30th birthday. The second one, because John Romero put out Sigil, which was nine levels of Doom, essentially happens right after you've beat the game. And was, and I'm, you know, a horrific description said that it's sort of like the Dark Souls of FPS shooters if Dark Souls was a thing back then, which just makes no sense whatsoever apart from trying to express that it's been designed to be really hard. It came out for free as long as you got your old wad handy, uh, or you can get it from good old games or a couple other places if you don't own Doom in some Look, wad, form or another. Wad is a specific thing for people who don't understand, okay? Yes. It's a real, it's oh, a real well, thing. Well, yeah, because... It's a real when thing. you when you get Sigil, it becomes a megawatt. That is apparently <laughs> how they've decided to call it. It's a megawatt. You know what? I didn't know that part, but okay, megawatt. Yeah, well, also a real thing. Too. All right, that I, you learn something yeah. new every day, which is important. Okay. So this is another uh, nine levels to continue it. It's on the original engine. Uh, it's just. You know, he's had a lot more practice over the years on designing it. If you really want, you can buy it physically uh, with an art book, either in a shotgun shell USB or an actual old floppy disk, assuming you've still got a reader for that. Uh, and it's signed, <laughs> by the way, so I expect that one's a little bit more expensive. But yeah, if you've got Doom and you're kind of, hey, 
I kind of want to go back to the, the, the planar first-person shooters and give it a shot again. You can do it for free. Try Sigil, or if you've done that, Sigil 2 is out now. All right, so what is happening to Hasbro Gaming anyways? Look, I'm going to make this quick. Uh, Hasbro, makers of some fine tabletop gaming and a couple of gaming franchises that have seen record, record um, profits this year. Magic the Gathering, probably heard of it. Dungeons and Dragons, you guys have probably heard of it. Heard of it as well. Um, what TSR doesn't yeah, own that anymore? What happened? Oh no, no Hasbro. Well, what you're what you're missing is the intermediary Wizards, Wizards of the Coast W O T C, which yes. was bought by Hasbro. So that's what we're sort of dealing with here. Um, there's a lot of layoffs in the industry. The, apparently, Hasbro Gaming as a whole isn't doing quite as well. So I think their approach to fixing the bleeding is to attack the successful areas of the company, which were which are umbrellaed under Wizards of the Coast, and that would be Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the aptly named Chris Cox, uh, who makes almost $10 million a year, has decided that uh, that's the appropriate uh, mechanism to bring Hasbro back into health, is to fire a thousand mm. people over the next several months. Any, many any of which. Time did you sure he didn't just pronounce, mispronounce hell? Mm. It was like hell. You know, I didn't. When you, I when did you have not managers sitting around hell. discussing how to cut costs, the number one yeah. is always yeah. human resources. Yeah. Cut labor, reduce headcount. Control yeah. your controllables, as they used well, to say. They killed off the yeah. one that and actually brought the whole online DM thing. Like, like the guy who incepted the whole being an online DM, and here's the platform we're going to provide from Wizards of the West Coast. Oh, and steal correct. all of your is, uh, scenario ideas, but that's secondary. This, is, yeah. this isn't just tabletop gaming. This leaks into online realms yeah, in everything. many, many different ways, creative ways. There's been some issues with Wizards of the Coast regarding some legalese that uh, occurred earlier in the year that people are still a little raw over. We're going to skip over that and just focus on the fact that they're hiring or firing, I should say, a lot of creative, influential individuals out of the WOTC uh, space in both D&D and uh, MTG. So, again, I'm not sure how cost cutting your way through the most profitable parts of your business is going to help meet your goals on the bottom line but that's what chris cox is doing right now i should probably just end there finally in gaming <laughs> quick hits federal court rules for epic games in google antitrust case if you haven't been paying attention this has been big news for the last couple of days <laughs> uh, the real question here is tim, what happens tim finally gets a win <laughs> yep <laughs> Hey, he's got to pay for the store somehow. Yeah. I think the the uh, TLDR on this is uh, there were like 11 questions that uh, were uh, on the um, Google versus Epic. Um, who is the, the truth uh, on the question? I don't have all the questions in front of me. Uh, the jury ruled all 11 questions in the, the court proceedings in the favor of Epic. So they are crowing about this uh, on, uh, of course, their social medias and on their web page and um, definitely calling out Apple as well and saying uh, Google was predatory, discriminatory, and through 
buku amounts of Google dollars uh, against anybody setting up their own store and made it practically impossible for Epic to, to do the thing. Ergo, the court has ruled Google Play Store is a monopoly. Whether we well, like it or not, that's how that's, it's going to go. That's nice. And it's a nice moral victory, but read here. No official punishments or recommendations have been announced as of the ruling's release. That's that's the sort of thing that's going to come next, I think. We'll, we'll see. Well, Google's going to appeal, gonna go. first of all. Yeah, yeah. It's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. So. Hmm. You heard it here probably 10th, but yes. It's gonna go all the way to guess the which one of the two companies has more money? Google. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean hey, to say it out loud. Fortnite is <laughs> it, blew it. It, Fortnite is big, but Fortnite is not bigger than Google, I think. It's <laughs> just a, I don't know. They just combined with Lego. So I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Did you see that? Josh, have you heard of YouTube? Have you heard of YouTube? Because and they added Google Peter had Griffin, Apple. which they, it's been the you know, it's all sorts of attention. Uh, <sighs> Fortnite these days. Okay. Very briefly on the reviews side of things, this podcast, go to PC Purr's YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash PC Purr. And you can look at a quick review of a standing desk. Now, why would you want to do that? First of all, Compact Desk Pro computers are involved. CRTs are involved. Bing. Lab Bing. tech Bing, speakers Bing. are involved. Yep. Hmm. Uh, random guitars and tweed cases are involved. Yep. Uh, just, I'm just looking Sebastian, at Sebastian, I don't know if you read the e- email, but basically I advertised that this was, was the making of the video and not the video itself. Okay. Let's talk about the making of the video. I, I had a camera. Yeah. I had it on a tripod. Yeah. Sometimes I picked it up yep. off the tripod and carried it around with me. Like like a hand cam. Okay. There's a... a innovative picture in picture uh, segment in the video where I saw that you get to look yep, at the close up of the screen as I'm pressing the button and then ride mm-hmm. the tabletop down with the little picture box. It, it's just this, it was an experimental film a la George Lucas in his college days. <laughs> and uh, oh, so yeah, yeah it, it goes up and down and it uh, has motors on both sides. So it's nice and even. And uh, smooth. It's very smooth. Yeah. And there's yep. there's footage of it's it going great. up and down in the video. If I show the very beginning of the video here, you'll just see these uh, Bandai action figures of Final Fantasy VII characters from 1997. Yes, they're originals. Like an artistic choice. I I, I liked it. I yeah. I just it I came watched to me. it again. Hmm. Okay. Oh, there's even there's yep. under desk footage in the. I I literally laid on the floor. With the camera, <laughs> just slow. I thought and, I liked that. I yeah. liked that part actually. The camera's television. I I, I rub my hand over the wood. Anyway, yeah. Let's move on. From that, that good review. Process. Good review. Yeah, thank John, you, thank John you, Waters Sebastian. Would be, would be proud. Go to PCS yes. uh, YouTube website, and uh, yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yep. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you very much. Thank you very and now, much. And now it's time for Picks of the Week. Josh, please get Picks started. of the Week. You know, if you uh, if you hurry up and get this edited out, uh, you can get these deals on the Loop Deck uh, spree, stream uh, uh, decks. Uh, there are some pretty significant price drops. I mean, the, uh, the Loop Deck uh, Live S 
went from 189 to 149. Um, so you got three days to do this. All their stuff is, you know, it's a big price drops. Um, good quality. Logitech bought them. Their software is improving by leaps and bounds. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good deal. And, uh, you know, if you're doing any kind of streaming or even if you're just playing games, they have, as, as we mentioned before, they, they have profiles that you load in their loop deck software and uh, suddenly you have like landing gears and icons and things like that for games that you play. It's, it's awesome. It's handy. Instead of remembering key strokes and which, you know, is that a G or an F that I'm pushing down and gears and flap totally different. I look over and I look at the icon on the loop deck and I just press it so much easier, mm. so much easier. Look into the mouse. All right, Jeremy. G502 <laughs> mouse. Your pick? So, well, I've had it for a long time. The thing is, I paid significantly more than 50 bucks Canadian for it. So for those watching live, because this deal will be over tomorrow, so hey, it's a benefit for watching live. If you head over to, uh, I think it was Memory Express that I linked to, yeah, you can grab this thing for 50 bucks. So if you're looking for a stocking stuffer or if you're, Struggling for a, hey, give me some sort of like the cheap little mouse. This thing is a beast. It's lasted many a year in a very, uh, very nasty environment and it works beautifully. Highly recommend it. I've been using it for years and I paid more than 70 bucks alone, 50 bucks for it. What is that in American? So you can probably find it for cheaper than that. (laughs) Okay. In freedom dollars, it's uh, $29.95. Really? You could buy a, a I file two hero a for thirty dollars. Come on, it's probably like thirty six dollars. Um, and as you can right see, now. you can turn the LGB off. It's uh, RGB. No RGBs it's on RGB. You know, you don't have to have the RGBs on. You don't have to. I know. Man, you don't have to leave your in hat the on United either. States. Logi still wants seventy nine ninety nine for this. Ouch. Well, there you go. Man, uh-huh. I can get it for forty nine ninety nine Canadian, even with shipping. That's like yeah, that's forty bucks. Still be cheaper. Yeah, yeah. No, it's All seriously right, it is, a good deal for a really it good. It is like thirty nine dollars. See here, is. here is a, a a smart shopper tip. Canada, you know, we love you, and we love some of the people in Canada. Do you though? So yeah, a little, not everyone. Uh, not we tolerate everyone. you, but. It's our dollar is so strong compared to you right now that it is it is just like it's like uh, a, a deal. Yes, but every can time you explain you buy something why? from Canada? I don't uh, know. YouTube chat says G five hundred two is thirty nine dollars on Amazon. We should check that. Okay, okay. that's decent. Yeah, but the hero. Yeah, I though, mean, that's that's your price. Well, let's see. Hero. Oh, it is. G502. Okay, okay. Thirty nine. Okay, so hey. Oh, there it is. G five hundred two hero. Fifty percent off. And, and there's a two dollar coupon, coupon on top of that. Okay, yes! I need to. Buy, I'm gonna. I'm gonna add this to my Christmas list. That I share Seriously, with my family. Seriously, it's a family. great mouse. All right, Brett, your pick. You know, a couple things going on with my pick today, and it harkens back to an earlier story regarding D and D, as oh, well we as the required GOG um, pick of the week. I, I don't know if everybody realizes this, but we're. Con- Contractually required to have a GOG.com pick of the I week. I thought it was no, always Humble Bundle. Yeah, it's not actually true. This is this is a Humble humble Bundle pick. Well, there's always actually. a Humble Bundle from you. Mm, 
Troop so Gog like, or Humble Bundle, one of the two. We've okay. really got to strike strike up one of one of them anyway. But this is an alternative to D anD. d Tired of paying the corporate boogerheads way too much money? Why not try this? An alternative to D anD. d It's Pathfinder. You can go to Humble Bundle, and we'll wait for uh, the. I've been waiting for these images to load. There we go. Okay. This has a lot of Pathfinder um, uh, extra uh, campaigns and modules and explainers and um, uh, desk pads and things that goes with this. But it also has the uh, uh, second edition um, rule books and starters and beginners and stuff with it. So it's a great way to get into an alternative to D&D. Uh, if you're looking for that sort of thing, I've started up uh, one game group that's playing with Pathfinder. It's been a lot of fun. And that will do it for this week's PC Perspective podcast. Uh, we want to thank you for listening, watching, hanging out with us. Uh, 202 people concurrently uh, watching this as we speak here at uh, youtube.com slash PC Per. Tune in on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yes. Yeah. Uh, get unsolicited yeah, tax advice. Get marriage uh, advice uh, from me and Brett. <laughs> uh, and Josh. Yeah. Who was only the, the divorce thing first? <laughs> that was Josh. You, you all did. did. Look, Brett nice. was, nice move. was making oh, comments <laughs> all night about who was that actress that you're into? I don't remember now. You know who knows Robin Williams? It was the right Robin girl. No, wait, did you hear it? A guy? Did you hear what I said? Robin you hear what Williams. I said? Robin Williams. I said Robin Williams. Robin Williams. No, it's Robin Williams. About what's happening right now? Anyway, we're losing. Remember, we're, remember, we're rapidly remember. losing viewers. We're down to one ninety-eight. I we bet. Wrap this up. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's enough of that.